welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frustick, and today I'm joined by Allegra Frank. Hey, Allegra. Hey, Russ. Are you ready to talk about something we don't know anything about? Always. Soccer. And we actually have a the perfect expert to talk about soccer. By far the most British person on staff, Colin Campbell. Welcome aboard, <laughs> Colin, to the show. Thank you for having me. I am the most British person in my house as well, which is nice. One would certainly <laughs> hope so. Um, Colin, I, I wanted Colin to come on because I have very vivid memories of Colin um, being very into, I'm sure he calls it football, but I'm going to call it soccer, uh, in v- various moments uh, as I've worked with him, uh, one of which during E3, it seems mm-hmm. like there's always something important happening in soccer during E3. And mm-hmm. Colin, in addition to doing very excellent reporting, is staring intently at a screen and generally <laughs> looking depressed. So who better to br- come on and talk about the World Cup? Colin, I, I want to know, wh- when when did uh, your fascination with soccer arise? Well, you know, I, I was brought up in England uh, and uh, you just have to like soccer or football uh, there's just no way around it really unless you're kind of middle class and into into rugby or one of those sports so mm. I, I like everybody that I knew uh, was into into football and I remember um, the 1978 World Cup uh, which England had, did not qualify for uh, but Scotland did qualify for it and so for some bizarre reason everybody in England was uh, cheering on Scotland and it was a really entertaining fascinating World Cup it took place in Argentina a lot of people were getting colour TVs for the first time so we were watching colour television uh, I think we at home we had a black and white so we had, used to go to my grandma's and watch uh, the colour version of it and you know the the sort of glamour of it the controversy of it there were these wonderful teams like Peru and the Netherlands and Argentina and I just completely fell in love with it. I had a scrapbook and, and all that stuff. And I collected the stickers and, all, you know, all that. It just completely takes over your life. Did, did you play growing up? I did. I was terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I still play now. I play twice a week. And uh, I've just, at the moment, I'm suffering from an injury because I kicked a German in the shin, which is never a good idea. <laughs> and one, one of my toes is just completely broken. Not broken literally, but just not working very well. <laughs> oh wow um allegra do you have much uh soccer playing experience um i can tell you my one soccer story which is oh boy a, sort of a a dark dark tale from my childhood uh in kindergarten i think the thing to do was to like try and get your kid to play soccer but i had extremely bad anxiety which continues to this very day. But um, I really did not want to do anything like team sport related. I didn't want that ball coming near me. I didn't want to touch the ball. So they had this like open sign up thing and pretty much anyone who was willing would get on a team. But I went kicking and screaming and I just refused to go on the field. And the one time I went on the field, I literally like sat down and started crying hysterically. And my dad had to pull me off the field and he was like, okay, you're not doing the soccer thing. So that was it. (laughs) That's it. That was the end. That's very sad. Uh, I played exclusively defense. Uh, I realized there's no like outer left field equivalent in soccer for like worthless positions. But when you're a kid, I feel like they stick you on defense if you're bad. And I was I was certainly that. So so no question. I think we're all in good company. Um, (laughs) So, Colin, uh, I honestly have no idea. So what is sort of the origins of the World Cup? Do you have sort of a frame of reference of when things sort of kicked off? America is actually to blame, the United States, because the 
1928 Olympics was held in Los Angeles and uh, the authorities in America said, we're not having soccer here because we don't play it, we don't like it, and nobody will come and watch it, which is a reasonable point sure. of view. But, but it had been in a few previous Olympics, and at that point, uh, FIFA was starting to get more powerful, and they said, you know what, we're going to go and do our own thing. So they organized a competition in 1930, which took place in Uruguay, of all countries. I think <laughs> the reason was that Uruguay had won a bunch of tournaments at the Olympics. They were the best team in the world at the time and possibly there would have been just so many arguments in Europe about where it would have been held. England at that point just simply refused to get involved, uh, possibly because we just thought we were too uh, good to play against foreigners, <laughs> and possibly because FIFA was a, a French organisation which, which, you know, perished the thought. So uh, Uruguay uh, was the first competition and it took off straight away. They uh, they, they beat Argentina in the final. Um, how many? Do you know how many teams played in that first World Cup? I think it was like 11 or something like that. They, okay. Uruguay were, uh, the, Uruguay actually went into a bit of a sulk because not many European teams turned up. I and mean, obviously in those days it would have been, you know, you'd get on a lot. I mean, Uruguay now, I can't imagine it's the easiest place to get to. So imagine in, uh, in 1930, but they, uh, they, uh, they boycotted the next two World Cups because they took place in Europe and uh, they didn't believe that uh, enough European teams had shown up, and then there is a long history of countries just not showing up for the World Cup because of some political or slight or, or whatever reason. I just, I can't really fathom why Uruguay would be like the the first one. I'm not saying it shouldn't be the first one, but like you would think FIFA being a French organization, I don't know, could be in France. That, that, yeah, <laughs> Paris would have been the perfect place right. for it. But uh, but I mean, uh, I mean in South America, that Uruguay won again. Uh, in 1950 when it was held in Brazil and 200,000 people were at the game. I mean, 200,000. Oh my gosh. Um, and that took place in, Bra in Brazil and Brazil lost in the final and it was a national trauma. I mean, it was one of those things that people are still, people were still talking about it as the worst thing that had happened uh, sports-wise in Brazil up until uh, 2014 when they were beaten 7-1 by, yeah, uh, by Germany. That, one. that was, <laughs> so that, that, was, was one, that was one kind of curse that they, they put behind us. But the other thing about the 1950 World Cup uh, that it's famous for is that England, following World War II and the sort of loss of our empire and all that, said, well, all right, fine, we'll we'll come along and we'll play. So we, you know, we got on a boat, we went to uh, Brazil, we turned up, we played against the United States of America, who were just like this joke team. <laughs> and um, they beat us 1-0, oh. which was one of the biggest shocks in, possibly the biggest shock in, in World Cup history. And there's a story that when the broadcasters in London uh, or you know the newspaper people in London started getting the ticker tapes back with a score on. They thought it was a misprint, and they 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 printed the result as ten one to England <laughs> until, until they were disabused uh, of that. So, and I think from from there, uh, the thing about the World Cup is that it's the world's most popular sport, and you know you you only have to look at the fans uh, and the coverage and the commentators to to just see how much passion it it. Um, it, it, it provides but also it's against countries and it's against countries mm -hmm. that might not like each other um, <laughs> and so you know Eng England versus Scotland was the first international football game that was in like 1872 or something and those rivalries are, are really deep and, it does, and, you, and you find out about these rivalries um, 
I've got a friend of mine who's you know Colombian, and you, you find out about all the South American teams he really hates, and uh, you know, like I've got friends who are Americans, and they're, they're really struggling to cheer on Mexico because they're used to them being uh, their biggest rivals. Yeah, it does seem kind of funny when you think about it, just like sort of having this rivalry not for a team but for against a country yeah but i mean you know new york v boston is certainly a thing so i Mm -hmm. kind of get it um that's that is bizarre i'm trying to think like i have a feeling the uh 18 in the 1800s soccer was a very violent sport i feel i mean it is right now like people get injured pretty horribly all the time but like i feel like back then it must have been just no holds barred, like go wild kind of situation. Right, and, and but I think that that lasted well into the twentieth century. That the, the, the nineteen sixty two World Cup, mm. which took place in Chile, uh, was known as the uh, the most violent. And uh, the Pele was there, and he was he was injured. The Brazilians were basically kicked out of the tournament. Uh, you know, they were kicked all the way through the tournament. They they won it in the end. Uh, but there was you know one game. Uh, which was called the Battle of Santiago because it was just so violent. Uh, and it's taken them years to really figure that out. Even like in 66 and 1970, you know, if you look at the reels or the videos of Pele playing, you just see how many times he's kicked. And somebody made the point today that, you know, we look at the skill of these players like Ronaldo and Messi and, and, and we're kind of, a, a, you know, amazed by them, but they, they would never have got that sort of space uh, 50 years ago if they were playing. So it sort of gives us that extra bit of admiration for the great players of the past. Do you think that's just because they like weren't calling stuff back then? Yeah, because uh, there was this old-fashioned view that it's a man's game and, you know, mm. if you if you mm. run out with a pair of football boots on, you, you've got to expect to be kicked. And even me, when I play in England, uh, I can expect to be kicked or to kick other people in a way that now that I'm sort of 50 years old and I play with <laughs> men my own, and women my own age... We don't kick each other, but but <laughs> in England on a Sunday morning after the you wake up with a hangover, the lads go out and they they kick each other. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about when I was younger. Maybe it's changed now. I haven't lived in England for ten years. Right. Um, I feel like people that are not familiar with soccer uh, these days see. Um, I mean, Neymar has obviously been getting a lot of trouble for it. The the diving is like the story that people talk about. When did that sort of start becoming a thing? And obviously some of it is totally legitimate, people getting hurt, but obviously some of it is very not. Do you have like a sense of like in the time frame of like when that started becoming a, a big deal? I I, th- I think that it's certainly been something that's part of the game since I've, I can remember, mm. I can remember watching it. And, and, and uh, highlights from the 60s and 50s probably wouldn't show people diving so much. But, but I would say, you know, sometime in the 70s, it became a, a, a thing and, they, you know, they're calling it. Shithousery. I, I, I read on the <laughs> Guardian today. It's the word for it, and it's just che- you know, it's cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's just sort of so much become a part of the game that I think some people kind of enjoy it. I mean, I, I, I take the view that any kind of cheating is bad, bad for the sport. Um, but there, there is a, a there is an entertaining element of it, and you see that some countries who have traditionally taken a a kind of stiff upper lip towards this stuff, like England, for example. Um, are doing it as well. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they're doing it anywhere nearly as badly as as um, as Neymar. But we saw in the game against Colombia, which was a shockingly violent game, that uh, <laughs> that some of the England players were making a meal of um, of some of some of the things that, that happened. But yeah, diving is is a is a total part of the game, which is why I like uh, video assisted refereeing for all its faults. Um, when you look at some of the decisions 
that have taken place in the past, um, then uh, uh, you know it, it, you, you've got to feel that some kind of element of justice is a good thing. And talking about violence, mm-hmm. there is a the worst foul that took place. I think was in the 1982 World Cup finals where the Germans had a goalkeeper, this massive uh, brute of a man. Uh, who uh, called Schumacher? Who just basically threw himself like like a jump kicked uh, 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 Batistone for France, and it was it was unbelievable. You know, it could have put Batistone uh, out for the rest of his career, and he wasn't he wasn't sent off. Now nowadays that's just <laughs> unthinkable. Yeah. And then Germany, you know, just in the way of these things work out, there was a penalty shootout. Schumacher was a great goalkeeper. The Germans won this penalty shootout and progressed. And that kind of injustice. Is I'm glad that's uh, that's that is no more. Now again, I, I want to reiterate like how little I know about soccer by and large. I really only sort of watch it every four years when the World Cup happens. But by and large, I'm very unplugged. But I do know sort of a little bit about what is known as the hand of God. Do you want to oh speak God. to that? I was I was sat in my bed sit at the time, so I would have been about nineteen. Uh, surrounded by a bunch of dudes and we were all getting high and drinking beer and <laughs> eating peanut. This I was a kid-friendly <laughs> show, so you were eating crackers Oh and yes, uh, <laughs> crisps. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just remember, just, we all look, we must have had this awful television, so it wouldn't have been very easy to see. We were just all looking at each other like, how did the referee not see that? Oh, just for those who don't know, what happened was that the ball came over to over towards Peter Shilton, the England goalkeeper. He came out. I'm, I'm sorry, you can't see me, but I'm doing the actions. Now. Or, or, he came who out. were the two teams involved? Just I'm sorry, it was, it, it was England against Argentina in the mm-hmm. quarterfinals. And obviously there was a lot of bad blood between those countries. It was only four years since the Falklands War. And... Uh, that you, you, you know, they didn't like each other. So uh, the ball comes over. Shilton comes out to fist the ball. He was one of the world's best goalkeepers at the time. And uh, Diego Maradona just kind of jumps up, puts his hand up over Shilton's head and flips the ball into the back of the net. He later called it, you know, that you know, he later called it the hand of God. He was completely shameless about it then, as he is now. He's shameless about everything. And... Um, you, you it, can't, it was, you're not allowed to do that, as far it, as I'm aware. No, punching the ball into the back of the net <laughs> on live TV in front of hundreds of millions of people who could all see it. The only person in the world who didn't see it was was the referee. But, then, <laughs> but Maradona, I think he he kind of, uh, later in the game, uh, England lost the game 2-1. Um, I think Lineker scored the equaliser from memory. And then Maradona picked up the ball on the halfway line around there and he just weaved his way through uh, like six players and put it in the back of the net, which was is often considered to be the best goal ever scored in the World Cup. So you had the biggest travesty and the best goal scored in the World Cup in the same <laughs> 90 minutes. So, you know, those things uh, kind of stay with you in the memory. Yeah, very, very respectable. Or I guess not. Both <laughs> respectable and not. Has um, anyone ever gotten, like, seriously life... Not life-endingly injured, but, like seriously so hurt that they had to like retire and get out of the sport because this all sounds extremely scary and extremely <laughs> violent yeah i mean it, I, I think that the passions are at their height and i'll tell you a sad story uh which is that in the now let me try to think here was it, was it the 1994 world cup 
Uh, yes, it was a 94 World Cup and there was a Columbia defender who uh, scored an own goal. It wasn't his fault and he was a good footballer, a good defender. And of course, this was a time in Colombia's history, which was a very violent country. And when he went home, he was murdered mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks later. Uh, and he's still seen as a, you know, a hero uh, in, Colombian, in Colombia and Colombia's culture because he, he sort of... Um, he 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 represents a terrible time in their history and the terrible things that that happen. And and there is another story uh, in the 1970 World Cup where the, the the so-called football wars took place, in which uh, two countries, uh, Honduras and El Salvador, they they had a quite a lot of bad blood between each other politically, a lot of immigration between each country, and uh, uh, and they were they were qualifying for the World Cup in 1970. And they, they, they played a series of games which ended up in draws. And so the games kept carrying on. And there was so much rioting and bad blood about this game so that, that, that it, it didn't trigger the war. But because it happened at the same time as a, a sort of very short war between these two countries, uh, it's seen as being a really major part in those two countries going to war. Hmm. That's brutal. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It, here's the thing about sports in general, like growing up and, and still today, I'm a Mets fan. But at a certain point, after so many years of disappointment, I sort of started accepting the reality that they're just going to be bad and they're always going to blow it and I should just give up, give up all hope. And I feel like that's the healthiest mentality. Is that wrong? I, I think it absolutely is. I think the, the, as an England fan, I've known nothing but disappointment all my life. You know, as, as a kid, we didn't even qualify in the 70s, even though we'd been world champions in the 60s. And and then the English press, who are just diabolical and awful, they're always building up the England team in mm. order to sell newspapers beyond any realistic expectation of winning. And then, of course, when it goes wrong and we, and we lose quite often to better teams, uh, then oh, you know heads have to roll. And 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 I, I just think it's completely unfair on the players, and they get stressed out about it. And we've seen that over the past few years. And this England team finally, I think, are are free of that. Like the press are, are completely kind of leaving them alone because they're not expected to do to do that well and now that the competition has opened up for them a little bit and that we've got a few good results behind us uh, i fear that the, the same thing is going to happen that the expect the weight of expectation is going to become so much that these lads who are only you know in their early 20s it's just normal lads really are going to start to feel it and then they'll start to uh, they'll start to fail and i think that 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 is a problem and you see it quite often with uh, how often we've seen teams that have won the World Cup get knocked out in the first stage. We saw Germany go out. This time we saw France go out in 2002. You know, they lost to Senegal, which was a major surprise. I remember seeing Argentina lose in the first game in 1990. I can't remember who that was against. Maybe maybe Cameroon. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, there's just so much tension. The, the 1998 World Cup final, Ronaldo, a different Ronaldo, he was the best player in the world at the time. And he got so stressed out that he actually got sick on the night before the game. Oh, wow. And, it's, and it's, uh, he, he had some sort of a panic attack and they, they picked him and he just played really badly. And, and oh. Brazil lost 3-0, even though it was probably a better France team at the time. So I think you're right that as an England fan or, or really as a fan of I say, I feel, you know, you just don't... Watching them the other day, that penalty shootout that I know you guys watched, I did not expect us to win. I was, I was just waiting for the moment where the heads would go down. I was, I was all planning to lock myself in my room for a few hours and just be sad. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it when we, when we won. It was, it was like, what, what is happening here? I don't know how to react to that. And that is a completely normal reaction in, uh, in England. But I, there are other countries that 
also, you know, you forget that other countries also have a bad experience. Like the Netherlands, a wonderful footballing team. You remember their team from the 70s when they have Johan Cruyff and Total Football. They got to the final. You could be making up names for as far yeah, as I'm like, Yes, I remember them. Uh, so, but, the, you know, he was this, this, this good-looking, charismatic, charming man, a wonderful, beautiful footballer. And they got to the final in 74. They scored in the first minute on a penalty uh, because the West Germans hadn't even touched the ball at that point. Uh, but they ended up losing 2-1. And then they went again in 78 in Argentina. And the Argentinians kind of made them wait out on the pitch for 10 minutes before, you know. So you're in this stadium full of Argentina, in Argentina fans uh, standing there for 10 minutes waiting for the other team to come out. And that was, uh, that was one of those um, tournaments which has been tainted slightly with allegations of foul play in terms of cheating and there's been a lot of them over the years mm. uh, and uh, you know it th- does sort of seem and to go back to the diving thing because the sport as it exists right now is so in the hands of the referees because they're so powerful really like anyone can be granted a free kick or an indirect free kick whatever uh off of sort of something that is in some ways subjective or reading the room um so like what I mean, you were talking about video assisted uh, replays and stuff like that. How much of that ha- is in the game right now? Well, I think the, the video assisted refereeing has helped a lot, but there are also there, there are the, the referees still have an awful lot of control over what you know what they can what they can and can't go to the VAR for. But but what what I think it helps is that it stops people being quite. Well, in theory, it should stop people being quite so shameless in the way that they cheat. Mm-hmm. And, when you, and we saw. Uh, the way that Kane was brought down in in, in various games, where the, when there's a corner coming through, and they they clearly know that he's a sort of player, he's an England striker who is going to score on quite a lot of uh, uh, corners, uh, that he was just being dragged to the ground. And I think in the past, referees might have just turned a blind eye to that, um, but now they're now they're 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 kind of forced to recognise that it's happening. I mean, because of all the fury after the uh, the Tunisia game, when the Tunisian defenders were doing it to England a lot. The referees are now giving those penalties, and that helped mm. England to win a game that they might not otherwise have have won. Um, but mm. we saw, uh, you know, we saw some terrible refereeing in in, for example, when South Korea got to the quarterfinals or the semifinals, even I think in two thousand and two, they played games against Italy and Spain, and the Italy one I remember the the refereeing was so bad that people in Italy and Spain are still bitter about that and they feel that South, South Korea, which was a host country, uh, the, the, the referee who retired soon after uh, was not really doing his job as he should have been doing it, uh, so to speak. So that's the sort of thing that, I mean, when, when you're looking at FIFA, which is possibly the most corrupt organisation <laughs> in the world, when you look at the fact that Russia got this World Cup uh, by bribing and cheating their way to, uh, to getting it, and they're doing a fantastic job, um, then there's no surprise that there's, there's no surprise that there's, there's corruption actually on the field as well from individual teams and and players. What would you do, Colin? Fix fix soccer for the world. <laughs> I'd get rid of FIFA. I'd just completely get rid of it. Well, who, uh, someone's got to run it, right? Right, and and you know we'd we'd have a, a brand new FIFA that would not be the FIFA that we that would be different <laughs> in every conceivable way. FIFA two, yeah, and, FIFA and two. I, I think I think that's that's the most important and. and I, like many people, um, video. I've always been a little bit wary of it because it, you know, the fear that it slows the game down. You're talking about the replays, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, video assisted refereeing, but having seen it in the World Cup, and mostly it seems to be working. And given that it's brand new, I think that uh, I think that it's it's done a pretty good job 
It just seems so like for, for moments where it's like an offsides or something like that, where there's just no way someone would have the proper angle and it determines the game and like the fate of what the, what happens in the game. Yeah, just get it right, guys. Mm-hmm. Like baseball has the same issue. Like the end, they brought it in, and it's sometimes it slows things down. But people want them to know who actually won the game. Right, and 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 there, there's always going to be uh, controversial decisions, and the ref, the referee is part of the game, and he perhaps one day she will. You know, they're kind of allowed to make mistakes sometimes, but not mm. really, really obvious mistakes. I mean, you had a situation in the last World Cup where. Uh, the, a goal, a, a, something was given offside, and the whole stadium was watching it on the big screen, watching the replay, and they could oh. all see that the player was a yard offside. Because the referee didn't want to change his mind, right. and and so so FIFA said, "Look, this is this is ridiculous." And again, in that World Cup where England scored against Germany, I'm making it sound like England are the only victims here, but <laughs> every team sooner or later is a victim. Now England scored a goal. It came off the to- uh, uh, Lampard scored. It comes off the the, the crossbar comes down and, and it crosses the line. And everyone could see that it's crossed the line apart from mm. the referee. And the video would have shown that that sure. goal had been that goal had been scored. Uh, sorry, that wasn't the last World Cup. That was in 2006 in Germany. Alan has an encyclopedic knowledge yeah, of all things wild. football. It's well, very impressive. Okay, I'm just I trying to remember all these different things that, that uh, from watching these games. They all kind of blur into one. Wow. I, I did want to mention, I, I mentioned this when I was talking to you initially about the, the episode. One of... This is not one of my earliest memories because it's only, it's probably, what is it, 10 years ago, the Zinedine Zidane headbutt. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that moment? I mean, it, you know, Zidane, who was the, the best player of the tournament, and. Um, he was a French striker, is that right? A French midfielder, captain midfielder. of France. Just a, just a fantastic player. Um, and, and cool as a cucumber, really. You wouldn't expect him to, to, to lose his temper. And he was being wound up so outrageously by, uh, by the Italians that he just finally snapped. And, you know, you, 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 you know, you're in the World Cup final. You're, you're the best player in the world. You know, you re- it really shows you how human these guys are, that they just forget who they are. And, uh, you know, he headbutted uh, the, the Italian and was, was sent off and disgraced. Um, and I love all that. I love all that stuff. I love all the big moments where you're just like, oh my God, I just can't believe what I saw. And I remember in 2014 when Suarez, who was just like this pantomime villain, plays for Uruguay, he bit uh, a guy on the shoulder as oh, he was going yeah. And he was banned for a bunch of games. And you just, you just look at that, you think, it, that, that is what makes it so wonderful and interesting. Is there a place in the rule book that says biting is not allowed? I, I haven't read the rule book lately, but I'm pretty sure that it's in there somewhere. How specific do you need to get? Can you, for example, could you play a cheetah on your team? Is that listed? It doesn't have to be human. Again, I, I don't know about playing animals. Oh, my God. But talking of animals, and I'm sorry, I have to get this uh, no, please, anecdote please. in. Go for it. The World Cup in 66 was in England. And, uh, was being, this the, the year they won? This was the year they won. But before okay. the tournament, the, the trophy, the old trophy, uh, was kind of, I, I guess it was toured around the country or something, and it was on display. And England being just a nation of utter incompetence, we'd lost the trophy. It was stolen. <laughs> no. And because uh, all the papers are like, where is the World Cup? What, what, you know, what are we going to do? We're hosting this thing. And it was found by a dog called Pickles, who, <laughs> who is famous to this day. And it's, uh, it's one of those... Uh, uh, trivia questions that comes up all the time. You know, what was the name of the dog that found the World Cup? Pickles. Where, where was what? the World Cup that Pickles found it? 
Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's just a cupboard somewhere, I guess. I, I can't even imagine. Like, how do you even have the scent of this World Cup for pickles? Yeah, pickles became a national hero. That's that's tremendous. Has the has the design of the trophy changed at all over the years? Yeah, or is it... Uh, it was in it, in nineteen up to nineteen seventy. You, I mean, I can see it in my mind's eye because I've seen the picture of England holding it so many times. It was a kind of triangular thing, like an angel or whatever. Um, but in 1970, the trophy was given to Brazil, that trophy, mm-hmm. because they'd won it three times. Mm-hmm. And they won it with this just a beautiful, amazing team that played in Mexico. I was watching this morning, just to get ready for this, I was watching some clips of Pele and the amount of stuff he did during that tournament, just this one person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 if a player today did two or three of those things that he did like 15 or 20 of, that, you know, they'd be called the greatest in the world. Um, but anyway, they won, they won the trophy. So by '74, the trophy that you see now with the big globe on the top of it yep. is the one that, uh, that 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 people keep. And I don't think that one will be given away. And that gets passed around. There's not like a new trophy every year. Essentially, it gets passed around. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pele tried his darndest to bring soccer to the U.S. in the '70s. It didn't really pan out, unfortunately. But n- but now it's sort of kind of happening, right? I feel like it's the kind of thing where like. Or at least I'm noticing, like with the Olympics too. I think Americans really enjoy seeing this like global platform of whatever sport it is. So with the World Cup, I'm seeing a lot of people who don't normally care about soccer like get extremely gung ho mm-hmm. about it. But I don't necessarily hear people talking about it like outside of every four years. But do, you, but... do you think people are like into MLS? Do you think it's like a big deal, or do you think it's just kind of like on the side, Colin? Uh, well, I when I lived in the in the states in the nineties, and I used to with a few of my other English friends, we you know we found this pub in San Francisco called the Mad Dog in the Fog, and we'd go there to watch uh, the FA Cup final or whatever, and it would be just full of British people, like sure. seven <laughs> seven in the morning, all drinking, watching uh, watching the FA Cup final. But now, if I go into a, a bar. Uh, and there's a game on, say, I don't know, a premiership game or a German game or whatever, there'll usually be an American there who's sitting there watching the game because, he, you know, he or she is a fan of one of the clubs. So there's no doubts about it that, that I see a lot more Americans who are into football, who are into their MLS and their clubs. And I go every now and again to watch the earthquakes in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantastic stadium. It's really made for the kids and families. Uh, but you also have these uh, the fans who are just completely dedicated to their team, mm. and um, uh, you know obviously you have a lot of Hispanic fans who live around around here, so they go to the games as well. Uh, I play football, and there's a bunch. It's about a third kind of fat Europeans like me, a third <laughs> these uh, these really uh, Hispanic lads who are you know obviously really good at the game, and the rest of it are like um, slim aging american guys who used to play in college you know so it it makes for a really good a really good mix of people (laughs) um are there any other wacky uh, world cup stories before we start shifting into uh, reader only memories oh god there's i mean there there are just just so many moments give us a a couple more of like the really like the wackiest bizarre i want pickles level bizarre (laughs) stories um uh, i think controversy is the most interesting thing for me and I just and it's a bit negative but I, I just want to go back to the, uh, something that happened in 1982 when yeah. uh, there was a weird group uh, the way that the teams were grouped and uh, Germany had to beat Austria by uh, one, or, one or two goals and then Germany and Austria would go through but Algeria would go out and the Germans and the Austrians 
The Germans scored 1-0. They go through, Austria goes through, Algeria mm. goes out. And then they just played it out. They just sat there and played and did nothing for 90 minutes. And so they oh, cheated. they didn't want to risk getting hurt or whatever. Well, no, not that, because the two countries are obviously so close to each other. Germany oh, and I... Austria are, are sort of like cousins or whatever. Yeah. And so they basically m- made sure that this this little team from Africa, who had their first World Cup, who I don't think have been to the World Cup since, uh, couldn't get in. And it's that sort of thing, that kind of quasi-political stuff that marks the World Cup as being, you know, what it is. I mean, it's it's more than sport. It's it's political. It's about fraternities in around the world. It's about relationships between countries. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's. I mean, I guess the Olympics have the same problem, right? Of of uh, drama and controversy and yeah, corruption certainly. Yeah, so I couldn't come up with another pickles. There's only one pickles. <laughs> it really is only one pickles. That's quite all right. Thank you so much, Colin. That was very educational. We're, that we're was ship amazing. Into that was ooh, great. Ooh, before we shift, oh, go for it. I have one. I don't know if it's necessarily World Cup related, but you guys reminded me of it when you were talking about Zinedine Zidane. Mm-hmm. So I was hanging out with people last week, uh, and they were very like they're very into World Cup. Uh, one of them was Polygon's Simone de Rochefort, who obviously is rooting for France. Of course. Um, and one person said, "Oh, you know, uh, my dad was really into you know soccer back in the '80s or whatever. He's French. He like he was obsessed with Zinedine Zidane, and there was even a song about him. And there's this song. <laughs> it's like a weird Euro pop." song called Zenadine Zidane and it's actually really catchy but it's basically just saying a lot of nonsense words that rhyme with Zenadine Zidane <laughs> over just unbroken footage of him playing soccer like it's not at all matched to the rhythm it's a very strange song and I assume it came out like for the World Cup so you guys should check that out it's extremely I'm, I'm gonna, weird I'm gonna google that I do yeah, we'll go before that. we move on I do want to mention one other thing actually Colin maybe you could fill in some of the blanks What's it, can we talk briefly about the soccer v football thing, the labeling? Oh, it, it, it's the bane of my life because I don't mind calling it soccer. Um, because if I call it football, people here will just misunderstand what I'm talking about. Get confused. But my friends in England will just hate that word because it's just it's just sort of um, the, for them. It's just this Americanization of their thing. Right. Um, so, but but it's actually a British word. It comes from Association Football. Um, but yeah, it, I, yeah, I, it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was kind of like a class thing where people called it like soccer in England or association with football. And but the people that just said football, they kind of had a bit of a, a class war, as it were, to determine what to call it. Yeah, I mean, there's different types of football, like rugby football in England and association football. <laughs> uh, which, I, but yeah, uh, it's it's. Um, yeah, soccer. It's a it's a weird word, but but I guess we're stuck with it. We're stuck uh, with it. At least unless US, unless like the gridiron game decides to change its name, <laughs> uh, which I don't. They're a bit conservative, aren't they? Those guys. They so. are. They are. They won't even change some of the awful team names they have. So <laughs> don't hold your breath. Uh, okay, we're gonna get into reader only memories now. Allegro, sing the song. Oh God. Oh, it's okay. like there it is. <laughs> there it was. There it was. Reader only memories. Very good. Uh, so we, we uh, I, I pinged Twitter uh, in Colin's stead to ask for uh, some stories about soccer broadly. Um, and we have some uh, World Cup stories as well. But I wanted to see if anyone had any personal soccer memories. So uh, this is a response from uh, at cartoons plural. Um, when, I, when I started playing, when I was six and I would run around the field asking how old everyone was. Which is, you know, I guess a way to play soccer when you're six years old and, and engage with people. I think it's a good social sport. 
to make friends. Kicking the ball is optional. You don't have to. So that's very charming. And we also have response from Hibernation Wes, uh, another uh, way to play soccer. He, he said, or she said, um, or they said, I should say, I would constantly skip and run. I was very convinced uh, since you were skipping a step that it was the most efficient form of movement also admitting that they were not good at soccer, which is probably true. I, I always <laughs> thought skipping was faster, but I guess it probably is not faster. Maybe. Could be faster. Mm. Uh, we also have a response from Katie Aiken, who uh, frequently sends in um, responses. This is... Um, so, uh, and she uh, says, 2010, interior of my grandma's living room, the 90th minute of the nil-nil US v Algeria game. Do you remember this game, Colin? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. I do remember it. So if you'll recall, there was a U.S. shot in the box that bounced off the hands of um, the goalie who was, at the time, the American goalie. Who was it, Colin? Uh, call. Landon Donovan was oh. the... Oh. No, 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 I'm sorry. That was the that was the guy who scored the goal, so never mind. Nope. <laughs> the, Al- the Algerian goalie. Yeah, I definitely don't remember the Algerian goalie. Okay, sure. So Landon Do- Donovan swooped in and scored the goal. Uh, apparently, Katie and her brother both jumped up in sync and bro- uh, uh, broke both of uh, Grandma's chairs irreparably. Oh. Which is just <laughs> wow. enthusiasm at work there. Um, and then there's uh, Heffalumpsy sent in a story about Abby Wambach playing Canada. You might know this story, Colin. Uh, this has to do with a very specific rule in soccer. Obviously, this is for the Women's World Cup. And the U.S. was playing Canada, and the Canadian goalie uh, held the ball for over six seconds. Are you familiar with this? Yes, that's right. They can only hold it for a certain amount of time before they've got to kick it out. Right, exactly. And and Abby Wambach, who was the star player of the U.S. team, um, was counting so that the ref could hear how long the goalie the goalie was holding the ball. Maybe not counting appropriately, not maybe not full seconds, but certainly counting throughout the game. And eventually, it ended up being called against Canada. They got an indirect free kick. It ended up turning into a handball and, and deciding the game for the U.S. Um, so after, after that, apparently, and, and still today, there is a lot of hurt feelings on the part of the Canadian team versus the U.S. team. Um, oh, there is. So, you know, you thought they were all sweet and honey, but when it comes to sports, Canada does not F around. um and and that's it i i want to share before we wrap up i want to share my this is not a world cup moment but it is one of the earliest memories that i have of watching professional football and i say football because this was uh in london at the time i want to say this is probably around 2002 and i happened to find myself in a pub during the uh, premier championship final match and i believe chelsea was in it against another team i don't remember who and being in that environment, I fully 100% understood. Before then, I couldn't get it. I'd watch soccer on TV. I'd be like, okay, it's kind of slow and there's not much going on, whatever. But be, the second you're in that environment and just the enthusiasm and, and drunken revelry that's going on, I, it fully became clear to me. So I have since uh, gained a very high appreciation for the sport that only lasts once every four years. So <laughs> we're enjoying it for the time being, and then and then I'll go into soccer hibernation for a little while and then come back out. But thank you so much, Colin, for, for all your encyclopedic knowledge about this lovely sport that you enjoy. 
Uh, it's not all good, but that's okay. It's, <laughs> it is certainly entertaining, and that's all we ask for. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a hero dog, okay? A pickles <laughs> hero dog. Let's all give a shout out to Pickles. And uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. And I hope that uh, all the mistakes I made uh, in my memory, the, the listeners will send in their corrections. I can assure you that no one will call you on it. It's <laughs> uh, for everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sending in your responses to the reader-only memories questions. Uh, as always, uh, you can feel free to uh, follow uh, me, Allegra, and Chris Plant on Twitter as we post those questions on Twitter and you can respond and maybe we'll pick your thing. Speaking of Chris Plant, he will be back soon he is on vacation he's out for a couple weeks um but uh don't hold your breath he will be back soon um and until then um yeah don't hold uh, your you so breath what, what's that <laughs> don't hold your breath for well Chris maybe Plant. hold your breath because it won't be that long i guess um but uh until then tell your friends uh sh- spread the word um let everyone know how lovely colin is and how you just want to hear him talk about soccer all day every day because i certainly could <laughs> Um, and uh, until then uh, we'll be back next week for more History of Fun where we explore the hidden backstories of the things you love to do leap those dips everyone leap the dips <laughs> <laughs>